thanks for being here today. Thanks for being here. God has, God has a piece of his word for us to hear. And then we become responsible then as to what we're going to do with it. So Jesus, thank you for that. May it be your words we speak. May we uh, bring glory to you in all that we see, think, say, and do. May we speak your words. We need you, Jesus, and we love you in your precious name. Amen. So this is week eight of a series that you're going, yeah, that was a long time. Radically transformed eight weeks. You might want to think about six weeks next time around. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the prayer thing's only six weeks, uh, but we're taking two weeks for, um, for some special uh, Jesus times. Here's the, uh, here's the idea, though. Um, thanks for coming. Thanks for having a closing message that deals with being radically transformed. And so, as, as you will see, there are risks involved in being called to Jesus and to be called to be a follower. But before that, I just wanted to add to something Carrie was sharing earlier on today. And after we finished the parking lot, Today, there were about 10 people, um, sitting mostly in the back, <laughs> 10 people that, that went over to the homeless mission, the new homeless mission, and um, we kind of set up right outside. Uh, wait a minute. They set up. I came late. <laughs> they set up outside and uh, the barbecue, and then people started to come out from the homeless mission, the new homeless shelter, and uh, hear about Jesus and be prayed for and uh, be loved upon, and uh, passed out hot dogs and drinks and everything else. And so uh, I think, uh, Justino, Yvonne, Robert, I think you guys have decided that every month after this distribution of food that, that you're going to take a team, whoever wants to go, out there. Because remember the jackets you donated and the blankets? Those, like, those went out. Okay, those are the majority of them went out to the people that, um, that we got to see. Um, we, had, we had more supply, even though people were, were, we ran out of food, so we had to shut down. <laughs> but uh, even though people kept coming out, um, it was such a help. So we all sell in that, celebrate in that celebration together because you brought stuff for that. And so, and so Matthew 25, 35 Thank you, Jesus. You do it to, to those that are down and out for a time. You do it to Jesus. That's why it's so cool. Hey, speaking of cool things, you ever see the church mice evangelize? You go, Pastor, you showed that seven months ago. And I think you showed it six months ago. Uh, yeah, but it's a doozy. So I wanted to bring it back again because, uh, yeah. hey, we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. They're mice. Okay. Maybe to go a year after I show it the first time because. <laughs> See it again? Show it next week. Oh, gracious. Okay. Hey, so church goals. Church goals. It's like if you don't have anything you're shooting for, you'll hit it every time. Strangest thing. Strangest thing. So check this out. Currently, 108 people 
who have either completed Brown Book or are engaged in mentoring at NHCC. So it's 50 people completed Discipleship 1. 50. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. I make up one of the people. And, um, and then 58 are in mentoring uh, relationships. So yeah, fit, so that's what, 26 pairs are mentoring for eight weeks one another. So give yourselves a hand for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Here's our goal as a church. We're going to order a bunch more of these books because we want you who have gone through the book to take somebody else through it, meeting with them one-on-one. -on -one. And so the goal is we're praying for 50 more to complete Brown Book by November 30th. That's like nine months. Like nine months. So, so I mean, that would be then 100 people that we've taken through in, in the name of discipleship, formal discipleship. So be praying for that. That's what we ask. Be praying. The other thing is this. Currently, 12 people are participating in organized prayer groups of two or more who are praying for at least 15 minutes weekly together. So four on Sunday, four on Sunday morning, although we had five this morning, that was cool, and then eight Wednesday evening, okay? Basically, it's uh, Justino's Bible study. <laughs> we meet in his room at 6 o'clock till 6.20, and anybody who's there, we pray together. But we had eight uh, early on at 6 o'clock um, last Wednesday. So what we're shooting for here is praying for 50 more to participate by three and a half months May 30th, 2024. So we want 50 more people engaged in prayer. Like you and somebody from your family agree to pray 15 minutes a week. Okay? And if you do it for, for you know, eight weeks, and then you're like, oh, can we stop? Yeah. If you want to stop, that's okay. But we just, we know the value of prayer. Um, it was brought up a while back, and somebody told me this. And I'll give you credit once I remember. Um, but somebody said, hey, have the small groups. Have the small groups pray. And uh, take, take 15 minutes, the small groups together. And I think we've got a small group doing that already. The men's group's going to go to that. So that's going to be, I don't know, that's going to be like 16, 17 people right there. So we just, we just, we're just trying to promote prayer. So be praying for that. Fair enough? It should be. And, and there's a, a copy of the book right here that I just uh, will leave up here if you want to come look at it later. Okay, check this out. Last week after the service, I had some people text me and they gave me permission to be able to share this. And so I want to do that. Last week after the service, uh, my neighbor Dorothy, she was finishing her walk with Gracie Joy, her new puppy, that is just so tiny and cute. Just I mean, all over the place. And also chews everything. Um, she's not a fan of that. Anyway, her neighbor Bernadine was outside. She told her that her husband, John, is in the hospital ICU. And a couple of times he's, uh, he's coded. That was last week. Um, Dorothy said, I will pray for John. You need to put your faith and trust in God. Also to accept Jesus into your heart. So, so interesting. She, brand new, with a, a neighbor that's just moved in a couple months ago, is just so bold as to say, hey, this Jesus is real. Yes, I'm praying for you. 
but, but we really should know to accept Jesus into our heart is, 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 is paramount. And so, um, I mean, she's flat out, that's just what she, who she is. Everyday living, we can proclaim Jesus. We're not to be, it's not a silent faith. I keep my faith silent and quiet. The Bible doesn't say that. You confess me before men, I'll confess you, Jesus says, before my Father. You deny me, I'll deny you. That's an open, outward, overt faith. And then here, check this out over here. Uh, my friend Omar, my friend Omar, it's interesting. He says, uh, uh, we went to the uh, park to eat. Max took one of his burgers from his meal and walked over to a gentleman sitting and gave it to him. That was sweet. That's exactly who we want to be in Jesus. And then I said, uh, I needed to stop on my work to pick up my pap some papers. My boss's wife was there, and Cynthia reached out to her, invited her to church, and prayed with her. That's the kind of overt action that Jesus motivates us to do and be. Okay? And so we can see this, and we can go, gosh, yes, Jesus, I can boldly proclaim you and find great blessing in my life. So anyway, I was really encouraged last week about that and go from there. Um, hate to give you kind of a funny Monopoly uh, card, but, um, but um, one, one card that I played so many years ago when I first became born again was my chance card, Get Out of Hell Free. And uh, you know in Monopoly you can do that pretty much any time if you're in jail. Uh, but this is Get Out of Hell. I prayed the prayer to receive Jesus into my life. And it was important because I didn't want to go to hell. If I died today, I didn't want to be separated from God and go to hell. So I got my card. I got my card. And it was a, it was a long time ago. And uh, it was right when I was in college. And it's so, I cherish that. I cherish that. I had my get out of hell free card here. Then I had my friends who wanted me to come back to church after I made that decision. I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I trust God's promises. Plus, it was football season. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving to go to church in football season when I'm in college. Not a chance. Not a chance. At that time, I liked the Cowboys. And uh, yeah, Lincoln does too. And so uh, it's, a, it's a special time. But uh, as I study, as I study, get out of hell free. I'm learning that Jesus' call upon my life Yes, I get out of hell free. Praise the Lord. But there's, there's some risk and some commitment that's required. It's like, no, there's not. No, there's not. Well, Paul says in Romans 6, to the church at Rome, should I continue to trespass with God's grace so that his grace would abound all the more? And Paul says, Romans, you better not. You, be, you betray God's trust, he'll discipline you. Oh, and it'll be out of love, but, but, but you'll feel it. So I start to come around, and then when I read books like Radical by David Platt, I learn about the risks and the rewards of following Jesus. There's risks and rewards. Say risks and rewards. Risks and rewards. Yeah, of following Jesus. So I got to balance it out. I've got heaven in the balance, but I got I to gotta know that there's risks. 
There's risk. It's expected risks. And so uh, what risks are we having to take for our faith? If we have to write... Yeah, it's standing, because it's hard to stand. I know, you're young. But aside from Lincoln, what risks do you take for Jesus right now? And don't say it out loud, that's awkward. And, and, and don't, you know, just be thinking about it. Because maybe not a lot of risks. And so, and so think about that today, because look at this. Risk involved... Risks involved in following Jesus. We're going to see them in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples who are Jews. Not Gentiles. Jews. And so, and so interestingly enough, he sends them to Jewish places. Up in Galilee, northern Israel. He sends them there. And he's, he's asking his disciples who are Jews to witness to other Jews. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. It says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So now I'm thinking, whoa. I got to take the instrument of death. We learned that in this series. The instrument of death. And I got to be willing to put my life on the line, possibly, if I want God's richest blessing, and if I want to perhaps do his will of what he's calling me to do, all of us have to die for Jesus? No. Has he called you to the missionary field where, where, where you're going to get shot and cannibalized? <laughs> Hasn't called me there. As a matter of fact, if I keep thinking that, <laughs> you know, if I keep thinking there's no way, there's no way, I'll keep running. <laughs> but he does. He calls missionaries Jim Elliot, not, cannib not, not cannibalized, but called a group of missionaries to, to a tribe that, that didn't have Jesus. And all five of them got killed. And the sad part was that Jim Elliot, one of the primary missionaries, died for his faith. His wife, instead of being totally embittered, came back with the gospel later and evangelized the same tribe and won them to Jesus. So, so, so you're going, wow, so some people are called to die for the kingdom. Yeah. And somebody was faithful. Yeah. And Jim Elliott probably knew the intimacy with Christ unlike any of us may know. And we can't say that for sure. So it's like, whoa. Okay. David Platt, radical. Remember, final week today. Taking back your faith from the American dream, page 162 to 168. Let's look at some more risk, some more risk that could possibly come. Where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? Oh, right there. Oh, goodness. Heart palpitations. Thought you left. Hi, Mercy. Uh, you just asked me to read a short excerpt from the book, so. Uh, some members of our faith family recently went to southern Africa to provide a medical clinic in various impoverished communities. Upon their arrival in the country, one of their vehicles was hijacked. The driver was pistol whipped and thrown into the trunk of another car as the assailants drove off with most of the team's luggage. By God's grace, no one else was hurt and the driver recovered. The team knew the trip involved risk, though they certainly hadn't planned on getting hijacked. Instead, the risk they had considered involved the medical clinics they would be providing. 
The team knew they'd be working with countless patients infected with HIV, the virus that leads to AIDS. They had discussed all the precautions they would need to take, but they knew there was no guarantee they could avoid accidentally being stuck with a needle. After getting settled in, they began providing the clinics. These were packed every day as men and women with health needs traveled for miles to receive medical attention. As expected, many of the patients were infected with HIV, and just a few days into the trip, it happened. One of the members of our faith family was serving a woman infected with HIV, and our team member was accidentally stuck with the needle she had been using. As if this were not enough, the same thing happened to a second team member hours later. Both knew the gravity of what had occurred. It was possible that either one or both of them could have HIV at that point. It was possible that they had just seen their lives change in a very serious way. Our partner on the ground in Africa emailed us after the group returned home. He reported, After you guys left, the community was abuzz about the clinic and how much it meant to them that the Lord saw their needs and sent you guys. After you left, the community began thanking the Lord and many people came to Christ. Isn't God good? Yes, he is good. He is good even when he calls me to places that are dirty and disease-ridden. He is good even when we end up possibly sharing in the diseases of the people we go to serve. He is good because he has met us at our deepest needs and now uses us to show his glory and to advance his gospel among the places of greatest need in the world. We don't think like this. We don't say such things as, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. We think, if it's dangerous, God must not be in it. If it's risky, if it's unsafe, if it's costly, it must not be God's will. But what if these factors are actually the criteria by which we determine something is God's will? What if we begin to look at the design of God as the most dangerous option before us? What if the center of God's will, in reality, is the most unsafe place for us to be? Very nice job. Thank you. Thank you. So, we just, we just looked at risk. We just looked at risk. Now let's look at reward. For those of us that persevere to the end, look at reward. John 14, 2 and 3. The Lord Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. A promise from Jesus. For those that know him and call him Lord, people, those of us who are born again, have a regenerated spirit, all those are synonymous terms, God, God's preparing a place for us and will come back and receive us into himself. Very powerful, very encouraging, very much a reward. Let's keep going. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Again, the 12, the 12, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, are they Gentiles or Jews? Jews, good memory. They're Jews, and are they going to minister in Jewish places, or are they going to minister in Gentile places? What's that? Jewish places. The gospel goes to the Jews first. The Jews first. When, as Romans 11.25 says, there's going to be a partial hardening of Israel for then the Gentiles to get grafted in. But this is the beginning. 
If you look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he's ministering in, in North Israel, in Galilee. Then he goes and he sits on the side of a mountain and delivers a sermon on the mount. Best sermon ever. Three chapters long. I'd be, I think I would be sleeping by the time he was done. But if it was Jesus, no, I wouldn't. Not a chance. And so, and so the message he's given these Jews that he's sending out was everything that he shared on the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7, because that's, that's the kingdom of God at hand and how they are to live and how they are to do with one another. But then also, salvation in him. Salvation in King Jesus. So when you see that little red mark up there, there's a little red mark up there, just a little one, yes. And um, that from there on, all of our text is going to be Jesus' verbiage from Jesus himself. Okay, so these 12 Jesus, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pay. Oh my goodness, let's start at the last verse. You received without pain, give without pay. The disciples, the apostles, they received everything free of charge, training, <laughs> uh, meals included, um, from Jesus free. They lived and learned and became skilled, spiritually speaking, from Jesus free of charge. Now they were to go give out the gospel free of charge. It's like, why are we paying you for, Pastor? Just go to this text. Well, since then, we've got the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and, uh, and the minister is worthy of his wage, uh, but not without elders and a staff that keep you on your toes. Anyway, so uh, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Ooh, the Samaritans, the half-breeds, the Jews that, 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 that intertwined and married with Gentiles. Not there yet. Don't go there, even though Jesus, Jesus is already, uh, I think Jesus has already been there and done that at least one time. But if not, it's coming really soon. And so, but don't go there and not to the Gentiles. Don't do that yet. Don't do that yet. He says in, in verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. So what are we, what are we to make of this? Well, let's look at this. Those types of gifts they're going to exercise have to do with what? Healing. Supernatural healing. Supernatural healing. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And so, and so when you think about the spiritual gifts that are listed in Romans and 1 Corinthians, we get one or two of those gifts as we become born again and we walk with Jesus. We just have to kind of test the waters to see what they are. But we're talking supernatural gifts. And you're going, oh, I'm not sure supernatural gifts. I think we're more cessationists. 
I think we believe the supernatural gifts went out when the canon, the, the Bible was complete or when the apostles died. And, and I'm thinking to myself, that's not what scripture says, what it teaches. Supernatural gifts, healing, tongues, tongues, pastor, bites your tongue for saying that. Uh, prophesy, uh, 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 giving a word of truth. Yeah, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Paul says, practice all the gifts until the perfect comes. So, pastor, I may speak at, in tongues at home in my prayer language. I'll say, praise the Lord. You exercise one of the gifts that are still for today because the perfect has not come. I'm sorry. That's Jesus. And so, and so we've, got, we've got access to the supernatural gifts. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got this. We don't teach that. Well, let's teach scripture and go from there. We're not going to get crazy. We're not going to get people standing up and giving a tongue. You've got to have an interpreter. And it says don't do that because if somebody comes in and you're talking gibberish, they're going to leave and think you're crazy. So relax. But understand that all God's gifts that you'll see in Corinthians and Romans are for today, are for today. And that's super important that we know that. Let me tell you a case in point. <laughs> this authority is still here. Is that risk or is that reward, peeps? Reward, thank you. That's a big reward. That's a big reward. <laughs> it's funny, but not. Um, my, one of my professors, Dr. Wayne Grudem, he wrote a systematic theology book like this thick. And um, he said, he said well, early on in his ministry, he thought that God gave him the gift of healing. So he would go to hospitals and he would anoint people's heads with oil and, uh, and pray over them. Some would get well, some would not. He said after 250 to 300 times of doing that, God began to develop that gift that supernatural gift in him. You think, okay, that's pretty powerful. Some of us, it's like, it's not immediate. It's like, I don't have it. No, study God's word for what it is and the benefits there lie in. It's so great. Look at this. Isaiah 53, 4 is quoted in Matthew 8, 17 after a physical healing. Here's why I say this. Check it out here. Isaiah 53, 4, you know this goes into by his stripes you are healed, right? Okay? And so you look at that and you say, okay, is that healing just spiritual or is it physical? All the gifts. And that passage is both. You take another passage, 1 Peter 2, 24, you know you see some evangelists sometimes. They say, by his stripes you are healed. And they're waving their jacket. You know, and they use 1 Peter 2, 24. I got a problem with that. That context is just spiritual. That's all about salvation. Read the words before and after. So if you look at context, you'll see the scriptures clearly. The Holy Spirit will open your mind. So Isaiah 53, 4 is quoted after a physical healing took place in Matthew 8, 17. And so it just gives us more credibility to know that there's physical healing in the atonement on this earth. You say, yeah, but my dad still died. Okay. Is the ultimate healing to go be with Jesus? Yes. 
Do we want them so badly to, to keep them there even though they might be in, in failing health? Unfortunately, yes. Does God heal? Yes. Let's go on. Skip down to verse 16. Risk or reward? Persecution will come. Risk or reward? Risk. Risk. This is to Jews going to Jewish lands. Jews? Jewish lands? I thought we were all friends. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The gospel is a two-edged sword. The gospel will cause people to have lots of struggles. The gospel will cause people to fight and to have friction. Jesus, Jesus allows us to enter into this struggle because he suffered first. And if they, if they tortured our teacher and we want to be like our teacher, we've got to be willing to take persecution. Look what it says. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. So warning, 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 big time. We are Jesus' sheep. He's sending us out to wolves? Have you seen sheep? Have you seen impacts? The little, the little scary thing. And they're just, you know, they're going the other way. It's called dumb sheep. <laughs> you know, I'm a dumb sheep. I'll admit it. And so, but you see this and being sent out into the wolves. And so check this out. Jesus is sending his sheep into wolves. Defenseless, slow, easily scared. But who's our shepherd? Yes, he's got our backs. But I might die. Yes, you might die. And then you'll be with him in glory. And it's a billion times better than this earth. It's just we can't ever, we can't ever internalize that. Especially if like we're going to buy a new car or something. It's like, no, don't come. I want to drive my Camaro just two months. I mean, we get weird about things like that. We do as humans. We do. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves to be wise as serpents. Serpents. Serpents? Serpents? Snakes? They scare. They scare. Well, not so much. Not so easy. But they have a meticulous way of getting out of peril. They have a meticulous way of defending themselves because everybody hates snakes. Everybody hates snakes. Well, most people. And so, and so Crafty, the serpent in the garden with Eve, you just got to think, okay, wait a second. I'm to, be, I'm to be really smart about things and wise because I know people are going to really try to take advantage of me. Okay, that helps. That helps. And then it says, and then it says, innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. So maybe before others, I want to be blameless. Maybe I want to be above reproach. I don't want people to be able to point and say, oh, not godly, not godly, not godly. I don't want that. I want to be godly before Jesus. 
And I want to receive the greatest affirmation from him, not only on this earth, but then in heaven coming up as we're going to see at the Bema seat. So we've got, we've got kind of a plan, kind of an idea here. Jesus sends his sheep into danger, and they will, they will witness by his design. Somebody look up Matthew 10, verse 29 to 31. If you think this is a, a real random call, yeah, get out, go share about me. Yeah, and suffer a little bit. No, 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 no. Somebody who knows, somebody who knows Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Somebody look it up and read it out loud. We call that a state change. So people go, ah, oh, yeah, needed a break from you talking. And, uh, and that's, go ahead, nice and loud, David. 29 to 31 uh, in Matthew 10. Now listen to this, listen to this. The value of our life, the value of your life before God, being persecuted, it's okay. Listen to this, listen to this value that God places on our life. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, well, your head. So, so the, the, the inexpensiveness of the sparrow, one doesn't fall without God's knowing and his doing. I mean, this is, this is a God who's got your back and your front and your head and your feet. He has everything about you. So we don't have to sit and fret. We don't have to sit and ponder. I'm just, I'm called to doom. Just take me now. No, God has a plan for your life and it's a rich, rich, rich plan. It's a really good plan where life can be fulfilling and it can have, it can have an abundance to it. And I'm going to say a saying here that you're not going to like because I didn't like it and, uh, and I'll, we'll relate to that in just a moment. Hey, as we go on, final couple verses here. Brother will deliver brother over to death. <laughs> and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures forever, or endures to the end, will be saved. So it's like, okay, what's happening here? You tell your family, you follow Jesus now. They're like, congratulations. Then they're like, well... Ooh, stay away from him. <laughs> Holy roller. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the beginning of persecution. The beginning. Brother, brother will deliver, deliver brother over to death. And the father, uh, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. This faith, this Jesus is going to cause dissension. Well, why are we doing it then? Because it's better to know truth and be set free than to be caught in a world that's dying. And the gravity of sin, as Romans 8, 19 through 22 and 23 says, the weight of sin is causing the earth to moan because of its darkness, because of its evil. And so it's like, oh my goodness, this is making sense. My family members are going to turn on me possibly. And you know what? I wanna, I'm encouraged to pursue faithfulness to the end to show God, I believe you. I trusted you. 
And this is one way I'm going to show you I trust you. So I'm going to get persecuted. People are not going to want me around. And it's okay. It's okay, Lord. It's okay. I will recover. We will recover. And other fellowship members in the church will recover. So here, just a little bit of what I, I said here. Is that risk or reward, folks? Risk, more risk, more risk, more risk. Now let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's get to the part where it comes to hit the road at home. Now we get to the part where it calls application, where we get to think about, okay, what does this mean now? Because I am not a Jew, and I am not going to minister to Jews. Okay? I mean, you can if you want. But, uh, but, but we're not. So we've got to reconcile this. Is, is this a temporal truth? Or is this a, uh, a timeless truth, meaning that it applies to us too as disciples? And the answer is that. It's a timeless truth. It's not just for them. <laughs> Withstand persecution, Jews. Gentiles are going to have it easy. No, 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 no. No, this is for us. This is for us in the U.S. of A. right now at church. This is such a good series. It kicks me in the tail every time. We should go another week on it. Just kidding. we got to do prayer. But here's, that's the excitement. Look at this. Take a look. I know you can read. The danger in our lives will always increase in proportion to the depth of our relationship with Christ. Wow. So I want to have this great intimacy. Stop keeping it safe, Pastor. Do something where you're trusting Jesus and Him alone to deliver you, to come through. It's going to look different for each of us. Look at the judgment seat of Christ. Risk or reward? reward. <laughs> Some would say risk is like, what if I'm a Christian and I'm not following Jesus and I just send him off running and say, go away. Well, that'll say, that'll mean that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. Ooh, that's, a good, that's a good mic. Um, that would mean that, would mean that um, we're kind of backslidden. We've given up taking a break from Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it says some will suffer loss at the Bema seat. Some will suffer loss at the Bema seat before Jesus as he's passing out these crowds. These are the Christians. These are the Christians who are born again. And so, and so we, don't want them to, we don't want to suffer loss, which equates, most people say, shame. Shame. But we want well done. Well done, well done, and reward to what we've done where the works didn't burn up, where we've done the good things of Christ for the right motivation, for the right, for, for the right mindset, the right heart set, okay? It's a time of reward. It's a time of reward. And it's a reward that will probably lay right back at Jesus' feet. They call it the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. This is to Christians. This is to Christians. So it's reward, it's reward. All right, finally. The risks and rewards of following Jesus. What risks are we willing to take for our faith? What are you willing to take 
to say, God, I trust you. I'm sick of having a whole ledger that where there's no, don't trust, don't trust, don't trust. Do it on my own, do it on my own, do it on my own, do it on my own. I'm sick of having that before you, Lord. So what is it? Look at this. Look at this. Start giving away your money to people that really need it. And don't, don't sit and look at their shoes like I used to do in their pants and say, oh, their shoes are, pants are nicer than mine. You're not poor. And judge them right on the spot. Shame on me. Give to people who are hurting. Give to the poor. Matthew 25, 35. Give. Give it away. We've been given so freely. Give it away. And, and, and the vast majority of us have far more, far more than what we can handle. Far more than what we can be responsible with. Far more we do. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that guy. <laughs> he's being walked on. <laughs> he's, usually it's a bad thing. Except he's taking a shot right there from the foot to the head. Ouch. Foot to the head. That'd be a hard one. But uh, guess what? We as Christians, we're going to get taken advantage of. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not us. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, you abused me. God bless you. Praying for you. Yes, we got it now. <laughs> oh, that couldn't happen. That couldn't happen. Yes, it can. A transformed heart. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Being a doer of the word. God will speak to you and say, well, I'm not doing this. I sure want more information, though. But I, did, I, I really don't want to do much because, uh, well, I've got fire insurance. I've got the get-out-of-free-card-like pastor where there's no hell. <laughs> How about giving Jesus away? Giving Jesus away. You give him away, and you just have such a love for him. It becomes infectious. And other people in the U.S. right now, they, they kind of cuddle up and get next to you and get kind of weary and teary sometimes. This is a good thing before persecution hits in the United States of America. Yeah, this is really good. Give Jesus away. But I don't do that. I have a different way. I, I pray for people. Keep praying for people and give Jesus away to them. Okay? Write them a note. Write them a letter. Do something. We're overtly, we're doing, we're keeping our faith outwardly known to others. Love people well with an agape love. How about this one? Spending time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. It's like you could spend time with Jesus and you could do it so long that the people around you get ticked off. Okay? Case in point. Case in point. You'd be like, well, no, I'm studying. I'm studying. Well, hey, you need to come over here. We, know we have an appointment. It's like, you know, God's called me to study. And, and your friends could be all of a sudden against you. You know, and you can be persecuted because you're taking a risk to study and have intimacy and prayer with Jesus and your friends are getting ticked off. That's a risk. Loving people with agape love is a risk because we're going to lose stuff when that happens. Wow. And do not fear. Jesus got your back. Jesus got your back. He really does. Jesus, show us ways you got our backs when we can't do it right. And that you let, us, you let us have this moment of turning to you and confessing as Christians our sin. So we'd go in a different direction and, and you'd purify us from that unrighteousness, unrighteousness you tell us in 1 John 1.9. And so we could, we could take advantage of that. Hey, to close, to close as our team comes up, to close us here, um, in your notes, 
I've got some risks in the Bible that I picked out that are really good. Check this out. As followers of Christ, additional risks, additional risks. We should expect to be taken advantage of when you get home today. Um, uh, Matthew 5, 10 through 12 and 40 to 42. When you get home, read 40 to 42. Ask to go a mile, go another mile. Somebody wants something off your back, give them more. But that's taking advantage. Yeah, that's exactly right. Be Jesus. Be Jesus to everyone. Then we've got having compassion for people in prison. Hebrews 10.34. Having compassion for people in prison. Having your property plundered. Oh, yeah, yeah, me and my shotgun. <laughs> Just come to my house. See how far you get. Well, that doesn't seem like being taken advantage of. That seems like you're going to take advantage of the situation and the person. Jesus says, no, he can handle it. He can handle it. It's okay. And then finally, Priscilla and Aquila risk their necks to minister to Paul, Romans 16, 3 to 4. Our faith is about risk. Our faith is about stepping out and doing things that the world would say, you're crazy. And it's like, yes, thank you for verifying that Jesus is real in my life. Thank you for that. And so right now, if there's anybody here, it's like, well, that was kind of a weird message. Matter of fact, Pastor, that was a weird book. Matter of fact, David Platt, I, that book is so 2010. God's Word has application today from a book that came out in 2010. Unbelievably so. If you're here right now and going, I'm kind of bored in my faith. I struggled even coming to church today. Ask God. Ask God right now where you're at to change your heart, to change your mind, to give you a hope that you could see yourself being utilized for kingdom ethic and kingdom work and get excited for the number of days he's given you until he calls you home. You can be excited about that. Sometimes, though, the devil has us so blinded, so caught up in things that we just can't get to the bottom of ourselves. We just can't even hit rock bottom. It's just, no, I'm in a whirlwind. I'm just going to coast another six months. Well, don't be idle. The church at Laodicea. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Lukewarm. We just don't, we just, we want to be in a place where we're, where we're mightily serving Jesus no matter what age we're at. We're mightily serving Jesus and we're risking. We're risking either finances, we're risking resources, we're risking something to say, God, you are our treasure. You are my treasure. And there's nothing that compares to you. Let me show you. If you, if I, if I'm on trial for God, if I'm on trial for Jesus, do you have enough evidence in my life to convict me of loving Jesus? I mean, that's something we should ask ourselves. He's worthy. He's worthy. And we're going to leave this series behind. And we're going to go to a prayer, a nice calm prayer series of, of how to connect with Jesus in praying and why we pray and the benefits thereof. Uh, and so we won't come back to this for a while. But so today, if there's something that needs to change right there before Jesus in your seat, change it today. Confess it. 1 John 1, 9, confess it. That's what we see in the believers and churches in Asia Minor. 
uh, that received this letter from the Apostle John said, Christians, when you sin, confess your sin. If you're stagnated, if you're idle, confess your sin. He's faithful and just, Christians, to forgive you your sin and, and change the abiding relationship back into supercharged, super great, super illuminating. It's just that short of a time. Would you stand, please, for a moment before we sing and, and go? If you're here in this Jesus we're talking about making, taking risks for, if you're here and don't have Christ, would you just raise your hand? If you don't have Jesus in your heart and you want me to say a prayer and you just follow along and pray and say, I need this Jesus to forgive me of my sin and get me on this track where I can, I can risk something for him. So everybody's born again. That's amazing. If you're not, see me afterwards. And so if you're a Christian and your new hope is your, is your, is your church, um, be prayerful right now for maybe people around you that, uh, that may want to make a decision like you're making a decision between you and the Lord. And, uh, and pray for them that this could become their church home. Because we love to have people gather together and strength and prayer and faith that God gives us to help and encourage each other. Is there anybody here that, that would like to rededicate their life? Anybody says, you know what, Jesus? Let's, let's start new and afresh. I want to I start new with you. I want to start anybody bold enough to say, yeah, I haven't done many risk things. I want to see, Jesus, what, what I can do to risk, whether it's to share my faith with somebody who I know needs you. Anybody there willing to take a risk and do anything? Okay. I've got, I've got one hand. I've got one person ready to take a risk. That scares me a little bit. That scares me. Is there a football game on? It scares me a little bit. Is there anybody else that would take a risk for, for, for Jesus? I got, I got two people. Yeah. 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 I know I talk a lot. It's like, oh, he's talking about that. Okay, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. So Jesus, we just dedicate before you a rededication of our life. And Lord, it's just, uh, it's, it's about you. Breath is about you. The day is about you. And those texts I got yesterday afternoon, it's about our pilgrimage once we leave here, the places we go and the people we see. What happens or what doesn't happen? Help us to see that you are the fire. You are the fire. You are, uh, you are life. And you are life abundant. Come to our life. If we'll relinquish more freedoms that we have in the U.S. of A. and devote them to you a little at a time, but see the difference. Gary, as we sing, let's, uh, let's close.